and you know, I know most small businesses fail. And if I were to have to probably say one reason, it's because they don't understand the, uh, the financial metrics and how to manage those. They just know the idea. Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Business Talk Library, and today I have a great guest on, Andrew Krasinski. And the reason why I brought Andrew on is because a topic that a lot of business owners, you know, really come into and is something that's very, you know, critical to their business is how do they get the right level of capital working in their business? Now, you can do it via investors, the people do crowdfunding, you can bootstrap it, but one of the effective ways of doing it is getting financing from a bank or a financial institution. Now, something that I think is a huge misconception that a lot of people have is, oh, I'll just call the bank when I need money. And so I wanted to bring on a commercial banker to talk about, you know, what does loaning money to a business look like from the commercial banker's perspective so people aren't waiting to the last minute or they don't have the wrong understanding about what that relationship is like. So welcome to the show, Andrew. Hey, thanks. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we jump into, you know, the commercial banking space, kind of what was your background before coming to the commercial banking role you currently have? So I, you know, I graduated college years ago uh, with a finance degree. And then from there, just <clears throat> with that, just wanted to start out in a bank. So moved to Charlotte about like 23 years ago. And um, just worked my way up from starting in the branch and then worked my way up on the small business and the commercial. And I at one point worked for a privately held company. One of my clients hired me and, and then back into uh, commercial banking. So um, primarily just always somewhat in this field working with privately held businesses. Awesome. Now, when it comes down to commercial banking, like what does that actually mean? Because I'm not sure if a lot of business owners actually understand what that means. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a good question. Um, I always say the easiest, you know, the easiest way to communicate what something is, is to tell people something that they know, and then draw the comparison, the link between the two. And so I always tell people like when you when you're an individual, and you open up your first checking account, you go into a bank, and you find a person uh, in one of the offices, and you say open uh, a checking account up. And then you can also go to that same person, maybe get home equity loans and things of that nature. <clears throat> I'm basically just that individual for businesses. And, and so I just help people with checking accounts and loans. And the, the only difference is the uh, level of complexity with the request and the level of risk with the request. But in essence, I mean, I'm the same thing as a personal banker that just sits in a, in a, in a branch. We all do the same thing. Bankers have, uh, you know, deposits and loans and non-interest income is what they're responsible for. It really doesn't get too much different. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. So now when it comes down to, you know, the whole space of, you know, commercial banking, when it comes down to small business owners, you know, when should a, a business actually start like developing that relationship? Because what I get the sense that some people wait until they need something to try to kick that relationship off. What's been like kind of your perspective on that? So, you know, I, 
I think about it like this again to give a comparison about something we know. When we look at a marriage between a spouse, a husband and a wife, if it's a good marriage, it's usually because both husband and wife are, are good stewards in the relationship and are and, and do the right things. And and so then you those two meet come together and it's usually a good marriage. And and banking is the same thing. You, you'll never find a, a degenerate bank or a degenerate client, and, and then the, the two of them have a great working relationship. And so typically when those relationships work well, it's the client is managing their financials well and is saving money and then has managing their cash flow and their bottom line well. And then a bank is doing the right things to be able to have the ability to serve that client through uh, financing of buildings, equipments, et cetera. So it's them both working together. Um, and, and you, you want to prepare that. That takes time for both people to set up for them to eventually come together. You know, if you're, if it's your brand new client, you're just coming you know, or a brand new business and just opened up, you, you, a banker can't do much for you except open you up an account and, and kind of start advising you at that point. Um, but they can't necessarily, it's very challenging early on to help them finance the, the upstart of their business. And there's a lot of confusion in the marketplace about that. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, when you talk about, you know, like you're just starting off a business and, you know, like I said, the best thing they could do is open the account and then start the advisement, um, you know, during kind of, I guess you'd say that dating process um, to kind of think in the, 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 the same analogy is during that dating process between the business and the banker, you know, are there things that they could be doing during that process to kind of help that you know, relationship mature to the point they get to a point where they can take out a loan? Say that my internet uh, is connecting. Uh, oh, I was saying like, say you that know, again. I was saying kind of during that dating process between the business and the bank, you know, are there things that they can do during, like I said, they just started their business. Are there things they can do yes. kind of along that way? Yeah. So that's a great question. So, you know, a lot of it, you know, people, when I think they think of banks, they want, they want to be able to finance their business or the needs of their business, right. To grow faster because business are typically that they need capital to grow their business. Um, and so banks use tax returns to determine whether they can lend to you and tax returns are meant for the government to manage you paying taxes to them. They're not meant to really be uh, documents to derive and understand your cash flow. So the issue between client and bank is the client is bringing these tax returns to the banker and then the banker is trying to extrapolate from these tax returns if there's any real cash flow. So some of the problems with waiting to meet with a banker or just doing your tax returns without advising a banker is some of the dialogue you will have with a banker if you have a good relationship is to say like, hey, I think I'm going to buy this building next year. How much money do I need to keep in the company? If you're meaning your business tax return separate from your personal tax return, you don't want to take fleece all of your company, pull out of the money out of your company and put it in your personal name and spend too much. So you really want to, you're basically, you're leveraging the company if you're pulling all the money out of it. The company has nothing in retained earnings. It has no net worth. And then you go to a bank and you want the bank to lend to the company. They can't. And and so a lot of times you will, you'll want even your banker and CPA to talk or there'll be some dialogue in there. But that takes years of, of planning to the point where 
then then the bank can support your needs. You know, banks loan money at low interest rates and they're not equity partners. So people say, well, you know, if something goes wrong, you have this. No, if something goes wrong, the bank loses money and the bank's not in the losing money business. You know, they lend, they lend the money with low margins, uh, but the, the payments are consistent and you got to diversify your, the bank's risk over all these clients, but we're not in the business of, uh, we don't share in the upside of the business. So it's a high risk business. Hmm. You know, it's one of those things I tell, you know, businesses like, you know, if you're going to anytime you start getting other people's money involved in your business, like it really is going to come down to the economics of the deal. <laughs> I mean, and for, so from the from the bank's perspective, I mean, when you think about the economics of the deal, let's say if a business is coming to you to say, hey, you know, I, I, I want to take out a loan, let's say two years from now to kind of expand my business. You know, is it better for them to bring you a business plan or, you know, what would be kind of the, the things you would kind of look for or what things should they be thinking about bringing to you? Yeah, you know, a, a business plan, I, you know, a lot of times people bring these in-depth business plans, you know, the, in terms of that stuff's fine and it's good for them to have, but it's not necessarily what you lend off of. And so you, you'll more, we'll more or less talk about how they're growing their business, the cash flow of the business. For a bank, cash flow is number one. So if you want to, you, you want to have so much cash flow historically, that it can, and that there's discretionary cash flow to support future debt, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, cash flow is the number one thing. If you don't have cash flow on, uh, on your tax return that the banks can use to support debt, then there is no deal. Some people, I even use this example to some people to help them understand the importance of that. Is if you brought me a five million dollars CD. And said, I'll give you a, a $5 million in cash, put it in a CD, and then you can use it as collateral. And I only want $1 million. And the, however, if we look at your tax returns and you don't have cash flow, we won't even lend you that money. Wow. <laughs> and so a lot of people think it's all about collateral. And it's like, no, 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 it's not about collateral. We're a silent partner. We're not looking if the deal goes sideways to to recoup our loss by, by, by your collateral. That, that's not our goal. We use collateral to mitigate risk, but first and foremost, we want you to be able to service that debt. We, we don't want to be a part of your business. We don't want to own or, or have recourse. Our goal, we have recourse, but our goal is not to execute on that recourse. Our, our goal is to be a silent partner. You be sufficient in managing your business. And so cash flow is the most important thing. And so then, then individually as a business owner, well, how do you get cash flow? Well, you have to have good margin. You know, some people get into business and there's not enough margin. And going back to that Shark Tank example, that's one of the first things they ask: how much margin? They want margin because they know that gives you discretionary cash to pay for things. Too many times, our business owners are like, "I'm not sure what to charge." I mean, one way to back into that number is: is there enough margin where I could grow it, where I could add employees, where I could fix vehicles, or if there's your capital expense and things of that nature? Can I hire a CFO? Uh, can I hire uh, an HR department eventually? But if there's no margin, the margins are too too thin. Uh, it's just really a high risk venture that you might lose your, you know, your shirt in the process of it and never really be able to expand. And it's just really stressful. Um, and, and so 
that's one of the things to kind of think about it from a business owner standpoint. Mm -hmm. Now, I guess, do you find that many business owners understand that or is that something that you end up having to educate them on? Yeah, uh, it's really interesting because I find that most business owners, you know, when you're in that zero to a million in gross revenue or, you know, everyone wants to be an entrepreneur and get started, um, you know, usually fall in love with something. You either like painting or you, um, you know, you like working outside or you, you had an idea. So, um, and, and the scoreboard is your financials and your, 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 your revenue, your, your income and, and, and knowing, um, how you're doing financially. And, um, and, and so that's really the challenging part is when people get into the business, they have a good idea and they have a great work ethic, um, but they don't know the scoreboard. So it's like playing a basketball game without, without the score. You don't know if you're winning or you're losing. And so that's why I think, and, you know, I know most small businesses fail. And if I were to have to probably say one reason, it's because they don't understand the, uh, the financial metrics and how to manage those. They just know the idea and the idea it doesn't, doesn't make it right. It still may be a good idea. still may be something everybody wants, but the numbers may not be right. Hmm. No, I think that's a good point. Cause I, um, that's like two weeks ago, I, I was interviewing, um, a gentleman that was recently on Shark Tank, and I guess he he was on Shark Tank this season, and I was asking him kind of how that process was, and he was like, you know, one of the interesting things for him was, and he's out on the West Coast, um, so he's used to being around, I guess, you know, the, the venture capitalists on the West Coast and the investor there, and one of the things he talked about was, you know, you spend time, you know, you, you do your pitch. And he was like, a lot of the questions became like looking at the past, like, hey, what were your sales? What were your margin? What was your performance? And he was like, what he was used to was, you know, everybody looking at the future of where this is going. I mean, and it's very interesting, like say, when, when, when you think about that to where said a lot of people have great ideas and they're trying to sell you on where the future of this could go. But like I said, yeah. when you look at the underlying, like, okay, all right, is there, do the economics really make sense? Like, if you could get to that future, that'd be great. But if the economics don't make sense, then you probably don't have a deal if you're dealing with a bank or a serious investor. Yeah, you know, you make a fabulous point. If you're, sell, if you're sold on the upside versus what is now, don't do it. And so many times, you know, that's more exciting. Like, hey, right now it's tough. We're working, you know, night and day and, you know, the money's tight. And But in the future, we could have this. Do you want to do that? And it's like, well, no, no, no. You got to first be right with what's now. And and then if the if future holds that manifest, that wonderful utopia that you, you're then, – then that is what it is. But you got to be home with where it is right now. And – um and then you grow incrementally. A lot of businesses, you know, they look like they're enormous, but you know, I, I was reading somewhere recently, but it's like, you know, 10 to 15 years before these things really start to get off the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you always got to be happy with where it's at right now, knowing that there is the upside, but what if it just kind of stays status quo? I even, you know, I get people here, uh, trying to come to me with different opportunities and they're like, well, 
we could do this right now, but then, if, uh, but in the future you could do that. And I'm like, well, grab me when you're doing that. <laughs> you know, and, and then they never come back because that never really happens, but they're hoping they're, they're hoping to bring you in with, uh, with the, the thought of this future thing occurring. And it's like, no, to your point, what, it, what have you done previously? Where are you at? What sales have you had? Cause you're going to be incrementally everything's, and that's the tough thing. It's going to be incrementally better from where you were is more likely than for you to hit the lottery. And then there's an exponential curve. And then all of a sudden you're, you're the lottery ticket and everyone wants to be around you. Most businesses are very, very slow. Um, but everyone has that dream uh, of riding a unicorn across a rainbow. And it's like, nah, you probably get incrementally better. Let's, let's just hope for that. You know, I think that's very interesting because even when I'm like working with clients and kind of building out financial forecasts and models and stuff like that, like I was working with a a restaurant um, owner last night and we were just talking through things. And, you know, one of the things that they're talking about, well, if we did this and and numbers would be here, I'm like, well, we're not going to jump from zero to that. Um, That's probably four to five years off if these incremental steps happen, but I'm like, if the incremental steps don't happen, there's no way in the world you're going to jump to that. And yeah. You know, my <laughs> other favorite thing that my buddy of mine works in New York in accounting and I, I called him years ago and I was asking about this one client and thoughts and perspective and uh, with great detail and the numbers and the opportunity and uh, the upside. And he said, well, I was waiting for some insight that would be profound or, 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 or how to do what we're, we're trying to do. And he said, well, let me leave you with this after you saying all that you said. He said, just because you say it so doesn't make it so. <laughs> and I thought, you know, it's like that owner, that restaurant owner is like, if we do this, then we could do that. And then we, just because you say it so doesn't make it so, right? To, to your point, where are you at? And we can work moving that in small increments upward. Um, is more realistic in business than than you coming than somebody coming up with some profound thing that's just going to make the business explode and then money fall fall from the sky doesn't doesn't usually happen. Gotcha, gotcha. So, what do you think about you know kind of like your role in commercial banking? Like, um, are there any types of, of businesses or industries you focus on or, or different sizes of businesses that kind of you have a niche in? Yeah. So in my current role, we, we deal with uh, commercial industrial businesses, manufacturing, distribution, anywhere from about like 5 million to 50 million in gross revenue. It's top line revenue for the company. Um, but I've, I've done everything um, from smaller businesses and to commercial real estate lending. And um, it just depends on the appetite of the bank that you're at. I mean, one of the things is you're helping people to find a bank. Um, You want to know what the bank specializes in. You know, some banks specialize in residential real estate building. And I know some banks in Charlotte that do that. And some banks just look for investor commercial real estate that's not going to be owner occupied. And, you know, there's banks that that's all they target. And then uh, a bank like I'm with now focuses on, you know, good operating companies that typically have employees. And, and so you just want to know what, what your bank specializes in that you're going for. You know, you don't, 
go to Burger King and ask for the best steak in town. I mean, they don't serve that. But, you know, there's confusion. There's good bankers, bad bankers. So sometimes the bankers are confused. And and so that that happens, too. And so it's not always bad clients. Again, it goes back to that marriage. Both sides have to be good at what they do and understanding. And there's there's errors on both sides for sure. Mm-hmm. Now you know, in line with that, that that you know analogy around marriage. I mean, one of those things that you know that you hear a lot of advice where people are like, you know, as you're dating, getting to know different people, people kind of get that concept of of dating, getting to know people, and out on dates. Like, how do you you know start to get to know the banks to really understand like hey what type of you know what type of bank is this or what type of deals do they specialize in or like what are ways you can go about getting to know or date that banker before you commit yeah so that's a great question so um i always would ask somebody you know just like anything if you want to get to know somebody ask more questions like if you go into the bank as a business owner and you're just pitching your idea um, you don't know if that banker has any clue or, or clarity uh, on what they do or who they are. And, and so I would, as more importantly than going in and trying to, to get money from a bank, would be asking questions to the bank. Like Just like you just came to me moments ago and said, where, where do you, what do you do and what do you specialize in? And then I told you, hey, we're manufacturing. This is the top line revenue. This is where I sit in the... It, um, this is how I serve people in the community through the bank that I work at. And, and so ask questions when you go in there. You know, a, you know a, a lot of these people don't know that these banks are, that we, we sell, our inventory is money. And that's what we sell. And so be careful, you're going into a salesperson pitching your idea, and they're going to try to sell you something. That's how we make money. We are for-profit institutions. We are not nonprofits. We are trying to make money. I think it's funny when a lot of people come in, they almost feel, and banks are such staples in society that they go in and start pitching and they're pitching to a salesperson. I mean, it's like, you you know, you got to be careful what you're doing in there. Ask questions, make sure that you want to be in business with that bank. Make sure you understand what they are and who they are. I always tell people, tell them to evaluate me this way. You're going to ask questions to me. I'm going to communicate. We're the most highly regulated, one of the most highly regulated industries, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's not gray. There's not very little gray in what we do. So you ask me questions. I communicate. I should inform you. I should provide you information. I should provide you clarity on how to work with us. If you're not getting that clarity from your banker or you feel confused, then you're with a bad banker. And you might be with a bad banker and a bad bank. Mm -hmm. Wow, Meaning when I say bad, not for you, right? It's not necessarily evil, but it just not, you might be asking a, a bank that does residential home loans or com- uh, for builders, and you might be asking them, I want to work with a business. And that, that may be the wrong person, but they're going to try to get you some debt because they get paid to do that. Mm-hmm. No, I think that that is great advice. And so, you know, if someone's interested in, you know, uh, of reaching out to you and and learning a little bit more about, say, the commercial banking that you do and, and how their business can possibly work with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, I would say, you know, LinkedIn is uh, typically the best way. Um, 
then you can see my uh, a little bit of my banking resume and kind of what institution I'm at. And you can message me through there. So just Andrew Krasinski, you put in KRZE and I'll be the only guy that shows up probably <laughs> in the search field with that last name. So it'd be pretty easy. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up, you know, one question I like to ask every guest that comes on is like, you know, when it comes down to, you know, your background and just, you know, the things that you've seen, you know, what's two pieces of advice that you would share with other business owners? Yeah, with business owners, the, the one thing is with new business owners, you, they, there's the proverbial glass ceiling that people hit. Like, why can't I get over a million in gross revenue? Why can't I get over 5 million, 10 million? And it's interesting in these segments, there's certain people that come in and they will buy businesses of that certain sales size. Um, and basically they know the infrastructure and they know what to do. And so the hardest thing with um, clients early on is you know, that, that zero to a million guy that or, or gal that's running that business, they have to be human resources. They have to be CEO. They have to be CFO. And so because they, they don't, they have to wear all those hats it um, and they're, they're in the weeds of the business. It stops them from, um, you know, learning mode versus performance mode. They're, they're always in performance mode. So they can't stop, learn, and then grow the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's really one of the challenges for all business owners. And, and they don't realize uh, how, how to stand back from the business and work on the business versus working in the business. Um, you know, you get, you, so you got to get, um, you know, and then how do you solve that? Well, then you got to get mentors. You have to have resources. Uh, you do fractional CFO work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, somebody, uh, you know, hiring you or, or seeking counsel from you would be critical. Um, and, and, and then different areas, personalities. Um, you know, some of the businesses I work with, um, you, they have the wrong people in the wrong job and that really stunts the growth of the company. And, and you think, and you think, well, why, why would they leave it that way? And it's like, well, there's something in those relationships. So maybe they really just like the person. And, and they, they can't see beyond it because they're, you know, we, people are in some of these relationships and even abusive, unfortunately, abusive relationships, but will stay there. And that's, that's not even necessarily an abusive relationship. It's just stopping your company from growing, but you stay in that relationship. Um, so, the, you know, there's a lot of psychology within the dynamics of why some businesses just say stagnant. Uh, it's, it's intriguing. Um, there's great literature out there, uh, you know, to read and and I, I would as a business owner, an entrepreneur, I'd be an avid reader. You know that Jim Collins, Good to Great, and um, Built to Last. Some of those books are good, and um, and there's just there's just so much information out there that I would just be a, a constantly in a, making sure that I put time aside to educate consistently, and and so I can work uh, on the business versus always in it. I think are a big challenge. Mm-hmm. Kind of gave you a bunch of different stuff there. No, I, I think all of that is really good. I mean, especially like I said, that there are a lot of people who do hit that glass ceiling. And you know, like I said, if they're not figuring out how to get past that, then I mean, they're just going to be stuck. So I think yeah. that's very good insight. So Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. 
Thank you for sharing your your wisdom and you know providing a little bit more clarity on what the the business banker commercial banker relationship actually looks like. So thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, glad to help you out. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Finance and Accounting Show. If you like what you heard, don't be selfish. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and then share this with a friend because you know a business owner that could definitely use this insight. So be sure to hit that subscribe button, share it with a friend, and turn on the notification bell so you get all the updates when we release a new episode.